There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. It's Tuesday, October 4th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, we revisit the case of Giles Warwick, known as the Potomac River Rapist, who's charged with killing 28-year-old intern Christine Mirzayan in 1998. He's also a suspect in six other rapes in Montgomery County. A judge is expected to make a decision tomorrow whether a key piece of DNA evidence linking him to the murder can be introduced during his trial. We speak with reporter Paul Wagner, who's releasing a podcast about the crime called Unknown Subject. Even though they had that DNA link, they didn't know who this guy was. And they knew that all of these rapes and this murder was connected, but it was driving detectives crazy because they they could not link it up with a name. And have you ever wondered why true crime podcasts are so captivating and popular? We talked to Megan about all the elements that go into making one. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. And I'm Megan Cloherty. 24 years after her body was discovered near Georgetown University, the man who prosecutors say raped and killed Christine Mirzion is standing trial. But there's one last hurdle before Giles Warwick's trial begins next month. We're joined now by longtime D.C. crime reporter Paul Wagner, who's been covering this case and is the host of a new podcast from WTOP called Unknown Subject. Paul, thanks for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Um, So first, we'll we'll start with the background here. Um, Tell us who Christine Merzion is and what happened to her two decades ago. Christine Merzion was a brilliant young scientist who had just gotten her Ph.D. from the University of California, San Francisco. She was here in Washington as an intern with the... uh, Uh, Science Foundation, and um, she was finishing up that internship, and she had just accepted a new one to work as an intern with the Senate, and she had gotten together with her friends, uh, other intern friends, at a um, a small townhouse uh, not far from Georgetown, where they had a a party. It was a Saturday night, and everybody else decided after the party that they were going to go out and go out dancing. But Christine wasn't feeling well. She decided she was going to walk home. Mm -hmm. So she had two choices that night. She could have walked down past the university along Reservoir Road, or she could have walked down uh, Foxhall Road to Canal Road and then back to the exorcist stairs and then up to her dorm room at Neville's Hall. Mm -hmm. And that's the route she chose that night. And unfortunately, it was a it was a fatal choice. And as she was walking along Canal Road that night, a man came up behind her, grabbed her dragged her into the woods and viciously assaulted her. Um, It was just a a horrible attack. Um, She was raped. She was badly beaten. And she was unidentified for more than a day um, Mm -hmm. before uh, police finally discovered who who she was and then contacted her husband, who was also a doctoral candidate out in California. And then he flew here. And so this podcast starts with her murder. And what happened with the police investigation and then eventually how it got tied into a series of horrible rapes in Montgomery County Mm. through Mm. DNA. And so what I'm exploring in this podcast is not only Christine's life 
what it did to her husband, what it did to the detectives who tried to solve it. And then ultimately we follow the road. We follow the DNA trail and we, and we talk to people who try to solve the case as well as victims all the way up until the end where, as you mentioned, Giles Warwick goes on trial at the end of November. And let's talk about that trail for a bit. The title of this podcast is Unknown Subject, which really speaks to the point that, you know, this was a cold case for a long time. Why was it so hard for, you know, investigators to really, you know, find Giles Warwick, you know, uh, a couple years ago? So I get very, very involved in that aspect of the story as to where this DNA trail went, why did it take so long, and why he was the unknown subject. So Basically, uh, it took the D.C. police a number of years to even get the DNA profile uh, put into the CODIS database because the DNA and the way it was handled by the District of Columbia back then was deeply fractured because the FBI was the only agency that was doing crime lab work for the District of Columbia. D.C. didn't have its own crime lab. So they were way backed up. So once they did have that profile into CODIS, it took another couple of years before the Montgomery County Police put new protocol DNA samples from these rapes into CODIS, and then they got the link. Now, once they got the link, the police kept that secret for years. They Mm -hmm. never told the public that they had this link Hmm. uh, until I actually broke the story when I was working for Fox 5 in 2011, broke the story that there was this connection. But that's why we're calling the story Unknown Subject, because even though they had that DNA link, they didn't know who this guy was. And they knew that all of these rapes and this murder was connected, but it was driving detectives crazy because they they could not link it up with a name. Mm. Well, and I listened to the first episode, which I obviously recommend to everybody. And it, it kind of it does it like wets your palate a little bit as far as like where things are going. Um, with the podcast. But you touch on this briefly that DNA testing has come a long way. I mean, at the time, they had DNA evidence from Mir Zion's body, but they couldn't get enough of it, Paul, or they couldn't get a trace. It's not like it is now where you just need a speck. Right. Well, back then, Megan, in 1998, you needed a a large sample just to get a DNA profile. Today, you you can get a DNA from a, a headband from somebody's sweat. You can get it from you know just touch DNA. Right. But that, it wasn't like that back then. But that wasn't the issue. The issue was the district did not have its own crime lab, and so everything went on the back burner. Everything went on a shelf until the FBI could get to it. And then once they did get to it, and they put it into the CODIS database, it still took a while for Montgomery County to get their DNA into, into the database in a protocol. I know it gets, compli- it, it gets complicated, but they had to have a new protocol with more than 13 loci that would connect up with what the FBI had discovered uh. with Christine's case. Okay, so then that was in 2004, yeah. all right? So they knew they had the link, but then they didn't tell anybody until I broke the story that they had the link. And then they still didn't get anywhere because this unknown subject, this man who was committing these crimes, he didn't commit any other crimes, okay, for years and years and years. And he didn't commit a crime where he was arrested for a violent crime and then his DNA was taken so that there would be a name right. connected to him. Correct, right? Because yeah, yeah. the laws, the way the laws now uh, exist is that if you are uh, arrested for a violent crime, your DNA has to get... Uh, was your DNA is taken and then put it into the database, but he never committed one of those crimes. Okay. So he went unknown for more than two decades. 
And that's where the story goes. And so we talked to the Montgomery County police. We talked to the DC police. We, we talked to a victim, an 18 year old, a babysitter who was raped uh, by this guy back in 1991. She tells her story in episode two. It's just a, a chilling account. And mm. she's so brave um, for coming forward. So the rest of the podcast then goes into how they try to track this guy down, including now using genealogy, which is the way that we're closing so many cold cases. Right. And we examine how that genealogy works. And then the end of the podcast is who is this guy? Mm. Once they found him, I went digging very deeply into who this man is. I mean, he's charged with a crime. He's going on trial in November. But who is Giles Warwick? What did he do? Where did he work? Did he have kids? Was he married? And we get very deep into that part of the story as well. Mm. And I don't want to give away, you know, this entire podcast on this podcast, but <laughs> can we talk a little bit about that genealogy and just maybe yeah. give us a taste of what that's like? You know, you talked about having these DNA samples, but it wasn't linked. It was just that unknown subject, right? It wasn't linked. How does genealogy actually get you to a real person? That's a fascinating part of the story. And that was part of uh, my first podcast, Murder in a Safe Place, which we did with WTOP as well. Um, and what they do is they take the police, give the DNA to a lab. What they do is they take the DNA and they get it to a place where they can put it into some of these ancestry databases. Okay? Oh, wow. And there's, there's two of them that uh, allow the police to use their databases, Family Tree and GEDmatch. Okay. And that's how a lot of these cases are now being solved because the people that have their DNA in these databases are allowing law enforcement to search them. Mm. They have given the company permission to allow law enforcement to get in there and take a look. Okay. And so that's how this is happening. That's how these cold cases are being solved. And so you have an expert, like a guy named Steve Smogoreski in Montgomery County. He's a police officer, a bike cop <laughs> who had just had this knack of going down rabbit holes and going and searching genealogy sites. And, and searching through records. And basically what happens is when you have someone that you're trying to find, if a relative has put DNA into one of those databases, you get a hit back, okay? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, it's really deep hit, like you know third or fourth cousins. And then it could take years to try and track <laughs> them down. But sometimes you could get a first cousin or even a relative, a close relative. And before you know it, bang, you have a very good idea on who you may be looking for. And you get that family tree and, and it all comes together. And that's how we explore it in this podcast. And mm. we take people down this road and we explain exactly how all that works and how Steve does his work. I interviewed Steve for this podcast and he explains how he does his work. And basically what happened is um, they found a link between this alleged killer's uh, father in Prince George's County and him. And they were to definitively link the two together. And that's how they were able to finally uh, come to a, a point where they believe they had found the person they'd been looking for for you know over two decades. So Warwick is from this area or just his father is from this area? Warwick is from uh, Prince George's County. He grew up in um, Fort Washington. Um, he went to high school there. Um, he, um, he then, uh, fathered a child and then he had a minor life of crime, um, getting in trouble uh, quite a lot. 
and um, and then he began his own uh, landscaping service. Hmm. And he had a landscaping service before moving over to Montgomery County and having three other children with a woman in Montgomery County. But one of the interesting parts of the story is that he then got a job as a construction supervisor in Montgomery County, a job that paid him very well. He lived a very nice life, had a lovely home up in Frederick County, had, um, as I said, children and made made a very nice living working for this Rockville construction company and uh, living under the radar. And because he was never charged with any other crime in which his DNA was taken, that's why he was the unknown subject for Mm -hmm. all these years until this Montgomery County police officer dug deep into the uh, ancestry and made this link. And that's how they finally found him. Mm. And this story really, you know, goes into the present or into the future. Tomorrow, you know, there is going to be arguments over this DNA, how it was taken from Giles Warwick. Can you tell us more about, you know, this ongoing story, that part of this podcast, really? Yeah. One of the benefits to having the podcast come out when it did is that as the case wound its way through through the court system, the U.S. Attorney's Office was dropping more and more information and, and giving us records and giving us information. We now have transcripts of what Giles Warwick uh, told police the night he gave up his DNA down in, in Conway, South Carolina, when they went and knocked on his door. And the transcript that uh, the conversation that he had with the detectives the day he was arrested. Mm. And so we know what he said. And we know what the police said to him. The question that is going to be argued tomorrow is whether or not it was fair that the way the detectives handled that situation and getting Giles Warwick's DNA, was that fair to Warwick? Because ultimately what happened is, even though the police had a search warrant to get his DNA, he gave it up voluntarily. And the question was whether or not he was coerced Hmm. uh, into giving it up or did he give it up voluntarily? And so his defense attorney wants the DNA sample that was given that night thrown out. So uh, they're going to argue those motions tomorrow and we'll see what happens. That Um, is a key piece of evidence, though, Paul. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, the the DNA in this in this case is huge. And I have a follow up question is, were they wearing body cameras at the time when they went in? Do you expect that to be part of uh, the hearing tomorrow to see that video? Good question. Um, they, the government recently released information that no, there's no video. Oh. They did not. They did not wear body cameras. However, they recorded the conversation, hmm. so it was audio recorded, and so that's how we know how it was handled and what was said. And then it was just a couple of weeks ago that the lead detective in the case, uh, Todd Williams, um, he was questioned extensively on the stand about how he handled that situation. So all of that is now in the public record. And, and the defense attorney was able to cross-examine him. And so tomorrow, the U.S. Attorney's Office and um, uh, Giles Warwick's attorney will argue in court as to whether or not they can go forward with this. So mm-hmm. it, it could be a, a momentous and interesting decision. And, Paul, you've covered a lot of stories you know, over the past years here in D.C. What stands out about this case? This is a classic case of a whodunit of a murder that horrified people in that area, a, a beautiful young intern who was just on her way to doing all sorts of great things in the science, the world of science. And she gets brutally murdered as she's walking home from a party in, a, in a, what should have been a safe part of the city. But then the story is the cops never gave up. 
they just kept after it, mm. right? And part of the story here is I interviewed the original lead detective in, in, the, mur- in the murder. His name is Dean Comby. And I interview uh, Joe Madano, who is the original lead detective in the rapes in Montgomery County. And, and they talk about how hard it was to try and, and solve these cases. They never solved them themselves. And um, they're so pleased, of course, that the case has been solved now. But um, this story is, is, is a, a story about not only what happened to the victims, the victims' families, the detectives who try to solve it. And then ultimately, this is the, the story that, that has an ending that we can finally say, yes, this works. The cops don't give up. They use a new tool that so many are using now, going into ancestry databases, finding these people who have gone undercover for all these years, and, and then filing charges. Mm. And so it's a full circle story. Mm. Well, and Luke, and this really speaks to Paul's sources. I mean, having worked in D.C. for so long, having access to these retired officers right. who worked the case to start with, I mean, digging up all of that information. And then the listeners get to hear it just as this case is beginning. So you have a chance to like listen to this podcast before the actual trial starts. Um, it's really good timing and such a fascinating case. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And um uh, I'd love to get feedback from anybody who might be listening to your <laughs> wonderful podcast, the DMV Download. Uh, you guys are doing a wonderful job. It Thank sounds you. fantastic. And uh, anybody that's listening, you know, please uh, send some feedback on what you think about the podcast. I'd love to hear it. Awesome. Surely will. Paul Wagner, thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, you guys. Thank you for having me. And after the break, I ask Megan, who's an award-winning true crime podcast creator herself, about what it's like creating a podcast that's so dark. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602 changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like this show, give us five stars and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We love hearing from you guys and your reviews really do help other listeners find this, our area's only in-depth daily local news podcast. And thank you for making us a part of your day. And before we go, I'm going to turn some questions now onto DMV Download's very own Megan Clarity, <laughs> you know, who has done a true crime podcast before the first season of American Nightmare really yeah it was called 22 hours and it was on um, the killing of a family and their housekeeper in Northwest Washington um, that you know for a long time they thought it was done by more than one person and it turns out it was one guy who killed this whole family tortured them killed them and set the house on fire for ransom essentially and so a question that's you know knocking around my head is being the person who you know reported on this talked to all the people involved you really dove deep into these stories coming out of creating something like that you know that's kind of dark how does that affect your you know thoughts on humanity thoughts on our world thoughts on our community (laughs) i don't know it's a big question but like it's just after listening to them i'm 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 caught with that question yeah because i mean paul luke was saying right after we interviewed paul like how can you kind of continue with your day, right? Yeah. I mean, that was really your like your takeaway. Like you you report on these horrible things 
and then you're supposed to just kind of like continue like nothing yeah. happened. And and honestly, as a crime reporter, and I mean, I kind of in my mind, it's sort of like who cares what I think, but. It is interesting to me that when you are focusing, when the scope is dark, if that yeah. makes sense, like it almost makes like the light shine brighter. Mm. Where's so, the light? The, the, like the helpers, like the cops he talked mm. about who wouldn't give up on it, uh, the husband and how he, like hearing his emotion and hearing how it just changed his life forever. It almost makes you relate to somebody more because you're like, I don't even know what I would do in that situation. Like, well, I don't know. It, you you meet people who have, have whose lives have been altered completely by a crime but the humanity they have in that moment is so heartwarming mm. i mean i don't know I, despite I, despite the tragedy yeah i mean it's awful i mean it, and no one you know it's like <laughs> the baseline is this is awful yeah but then you meet these people who you you see do these kind of like amazing things in the moment or mm. run into a burning building you know what i mean like those yeah. those moments where you're like what what did you do right or this one woman from our podcast, um, 22 Hours, she was the housekeeper who didn't go in that day. And she has to live with, like, the survivor's guilt, essentially. Yeah. And, the, like, the items that she's kept from the family and the things, like, that she just celebrates little moments. And mm. she has a black dress from the woman who passed, um, who that she wears to funerals. Like, little things that touch you, yeah. you know? It's like, this is, this is the life we're all in. Mm. But how do you navigate through it? How do you, you know, take this horrible thing and, and, and keep going? And and telling those stories is almost more interesting to me than the actual crime, the, you know, the reason you are talking to that person in the first place. Right. Well, no wonder people love, I mean, love these shows. I, I mean, guess so, It really yeah. does bring a humanity up to the fore, up to our ears, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in this Warwick case because, yeah. as Paul said, there are other cases here that mm. are potentially linked that happened even before— the rape and killing in Georgetown. So yeah. it's like there, there's this case, but then there's almost like a, you know, a tree where it could just, there could be branches to this thing that we don't even know about yet. Mm, I guess we'll see. That'll do it for us today on the DMV Download. We're brought to you by Steamfitters, local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab and our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show and give Paul some feedback if you get the chance. We also love when you guys share our show with your friends and family. The more people we can reach, the better. Uh, we are on social media every single day and you can become a VIP listener at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM if you're driving in Virginia. If you're driving around Frederick, Maryland, 103.9 FM. Online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP News app. Have a good night and we'll see you tomorrow. 